Welcome to the Landmark Podcast. I'm Jason Calhoun, pastor of Landmark Pentecostal Church in Texarkana, Texas. We encourage you to visit us on the web at landmarkupc.net for a schedule of services and upcoming events. We pray that you are blessed by the message today. Thank you again for listening. As we went to prayer, a certain damsel possessed with a spirit of divination met us, which brought her masters much gain by soothsaying. The same followed Paul and us and cried, saying, These men are the servants of the Most High God, which show unto us the way of salvation. And this did she many days. But Paul, being grieved, turned and said unto the Spirit, I command thee in the name of Jesus Christ to come out of her. And it came out of the same hour. And when her master saw that the hope of their gains was gone, they caught Paul and Silas and drew them into the marketplace and to the elders or to the rulers and brought them to the magistrates saying, These men being Jews do exceedingly trouble our city and teach customs which are not lawful for us to receive, neither to observe being Romans. And the multitude rose up together against them, and the magistrates rent off their clothes and commanded to beat them. And when they had laid many stripes upon them, they cast them into prison, charging the jailer to keep them safely who having received such a charge, thrust them into the inner prison and made their feet fast in the stocks. And at midnight, Paul and Silas prayed and sang praises unto God, and the prisoners heard them. And suddenly there was a great earthquake so that the foundations of the prison were shaken, and immediately... All the doors were open, and everyone's bands were loosed. And the keeper of the prison awakened out of his sleep, seeing the prisoner's doors open. He drew out his sword and would have killed himself, supposing the prisoners had been fled. But Paul cried with a loud voice, saying, Do thyself no harm, for we are all here. Then he called for a light and sprang in and came trembling and fell down before Paul and Silas. And he brought them out and he said, Sirs, what must I do to be saved? I want you to look back here at the beginning verses of what we've read tonight. It says in verse 25, At midnight, Paul and Silas prayed and sang praises unto God. And the prisoners, and the prisoners heard them. I'd like to use that as a subject title tonight. And the prisoners heard them. And the prisoners heard them. I want us to lift up our voices to the Lord and let's pray together that the Lord would anoint, He would bless 
and he would have his way in the remainder of this service. Jesus, we're looking to you again. We need your anointing. We know that without it we can do nothing. And I'm praying, God, that you would speak, God, tonight to the hearts and lives of every person that is here under the sound of my voice. I pray that you would use me as an oracle of God and anoint me to do your will. I pray, God, for the strength and the help of the Spirit to come. We thank you, Jesus, for your blessings tonight. Thank you, God, for your goodness towards us. We're so blessed and we're thankful for it. Let's give praise to him right now. I thank you, Jesus. Amen, amen, amen. Thank you for standing. You may be seated. I don't know if what I have prepared tonight is typical for a Wednesday night Bible study, but nevertheless, I uh, could not get this off of my heart, so I want to deliver my heart tonight, and I want to help us through looking at this old story and maybe giving us a little different take on it, and uh, maybe helping us to realize the purpose for some of the things that we face and that we go through. For if we can understand the purpose and the plan of God, uh, it takes the sting out of some situations. It helps us to understand that God is with us, that we're not alone, and that when we walk through trials, when we walk through difficulties and challenges of our lives, that uh, there is something that in this that is going to bring God glory. Most of us are aware that this is talking about an experience where the apostles were thrown into the prison. And nobody, at least nobody in their right mind, uh, grows up with the goal of going to prison. Nobody aspires to become a prisoner. It's a place that none of us want to go. I've had occasions in my life because of ministry to visit uh, various prisons, some of them pretty famous or infamous would probably be a better, better word for it, uh, prisons. Uh, I know what it is to go in and preach to men that are there. I have uh, been able to go into prisons that the ministries there were well established where there was hundreds of men that would gather together uh, for those prison services. And I have seen one, one time down in Beaumont, Texas, as I was preaching for Brother Treadway there many years ago, uh, they took me on a Sunday afternoon to the prison to preach, and there was hundreds that gathered there for that service. And uh, I can't remember the exact number that received the Holy Ghost, but I remember there was many uh, when the altar invitation was given, those men that looked so burly, that looked so calloused and hard to just on the exterior look at them and observe them, I, I watched as they would come broken to an altar and repent of their sins. And uh, God gloriously filled them with the Holy Ghost. And uh, many of them... Uh, they would set a time and they would be baptized. I remember some time ago here at the federal prison, 
some of the men, I suppose, were listening on the radio to our radio program and realized that they needed to be baptized, and the chaplain there called and asked if I would come out and baptize a few of them. To be honest with you, I was expecting there to be just maybe a, a handful, two or three, that had saw their need of baptism, and maybe just a few more than that that would even be there uh, for the service that we were going to attend. But when I showed up, they said, well, we're going to have a regular service, Pastor Calhoun, and uh, would you join us for that service? I said, yes. And uh, when I came into the service, they had the songs and, and a few testimonies, and then they said, well, we're going to turn the remainder of the service over to Brother Calhoun to preach. And I had not prepared really to preach, but you know the Bible did say to be instant in season and out of season. And so I just stood up and began to preach, and I preached the only thing that I knew would be helpful for anyone that needed God, and that was I preached the new birth, what it took to be saved. And not only the ones that had already sought to be baptized and had called the uh, for me to come and to baptize them. Not only those wanted to be baptized, but many of the others that were gathered there wanted to be baptized. And uh, I said, well, you know, we're, we're, we're not helping you to get baptized if you first don't repent of your sins. You're only going to get wet if we don't make sure that you've repented of your sins. And they assured me that they had repented. And so they brought a... Uh, baptistry in, one that was on rollers and, and uh, filled it up. I remember it had a garden hose off in the side of it. And uh, they, I said, well, you fellas want to change into whatever you're going to get baptized in because some of them were wearing sweatshirts and whatnot. And uh, they said, well, I'm just going to get baptized in this. And some of them were some pretty big fellas. And I remember baptizing one of them and wondering if his shoulders was going to go down between the two sides of the tank. And he had a sweatshirt on, and the sweatshirt just about absorbed all the water that was in the tank. And then I was low on water to baptize the rest of it. I said, we're going to have to cut that garden hose on and get some more water in this tank. I wasn't planning on baptizing so many of you fellas, but we baptized many of them that day. And it's my hope that they're still walking with the Lord and there's uh, still uh, men from that occasion that are living for God. I have had the occasion to visit prisons such as uh, Folsom Prison in California. I have seen it. I've seen Soledad Prison. I have actually traveled out to Alcatraz out in the bay there out from San Francisco and many of you have probably been there or seen it, maybe visited it. And uh, it's, it's quite a sight to behold, this, this prison that was there on this island that is surrounded by uh, the ocean. And these waters, of course, are very frigid and cold, and, uh, and the currents that are in that water would make it virtually impossible for some one to escape, although they say... Uh, that there was some that did escape from that prison. And uh, as I was there, they had a little nickname for that prison. They called it The Rock. And it was one of the most 
formidable prisons of its time. It's shut down now. But nobody wanted to go and be sentenced to go to the rock. Nobody wanted to be at Alcatraz. It was a dreadful place, an awful place. I have visited people. I've been called by family members to go and talk to people. And I know that you have at times perhaps done the same and, and spoke to people that it was going to be many years before they would ever obtain their freedom. And I've even spoke to people that would never have the opportunity of, uh, of ever knowing what life on the outside would be again. But they would spend the rest of their days, uh, life in prison, entirely uh, constrained and losing their freedom. And I want to tell you that uh, in a spiritual sense, we understand that that is absolutely not the will of God. Because the very essence of knowing God is to be free. The Bible said you should know the truth and the truth shall make you free. God represents freedom. John chapter 8 and verse 32. He shall know the truth and the truth shall make you free. Verse 36 says, For if the Son therefore shall make you free, ye shall be free Indeed. And then Jesus, uh, upon his uh, time of entering into the phase of his life when he would, for the next three and a half years before Calvary, uh, minister upon this earth, his earthly ministry, when he walked into his hometown synagogue in Nazareth and began uh, to read the scripture when the priest handed him the scrolls. And he read from the prophet Isaiah where it said, The Spirit of the Lord is upon me because he hath anointed me to preach deliverance to the captives and recovering of sight to the blind and to set at liberty them that are bruised. There's two things that stand out to me in that one short verse of Scripture and that is to preach deliverance to the captives. Uh, it's still God's will that people find deliverance. It's still God's will that people be free. Can you say amen? And to set at liberty them that are bruised. And as I mentioned on uh, Sunday night, I mentioned that a bruise is an internal wound. It's a wound or bleeding that is occurring on the inside. He said he would set at liberty them that are bruised. He's not only able to deliver us from outward oppression, but the things that we battle with on the inside that perhaps nobody else knows about. I believe that God is able to deliver us of those struggles also. Do you believe that tonight? But could I say that it's His will, it's His purpose that we be free. It was His purpose then, and it is His purpose now. And Jesus shows us in his word that he has had a heart uh, for prisoners and those that are incarcerated. For he said in Matthew, For I was a hungered, and you gave me meat. I was thirsty, and you gave me drink. I was a stranger, and you took me in. Naked, and you clothed me. I was sick, and you visited me. And I was in prison, and you came unto me. 
Then the righteous answered, saying, Lord, when saw we thee uh, a hungered and fed thee, or thirsty and gave drink, a stranger, and when did we take you in, and naked, and when did we clothe you, a sick, and when did we visit you, or a prisoner, and when did we come to where you were? And he said, when you did to the least of these, you have done it unto me. Jesus had compassion, has compassion for the imprisoned. Amen. And I know and you are aware of the fact that not all prisons are, are concrete walls and iron bars. But there are emotional prisons and there are mental prisons and there are illnesses that create bondage and limitations in people's lives. There are physical handicaps and limitations that people feel imprisoned by. And we have examples of this throughout the Word of God where God ministered to people that had limitations and delivered them from those limitations. That He was interested in helping and blessing and strengthening folks that were in need of deliverance. We find an example where there was a lady that for 12 long years she hemorrhaged and she could not find a cure. And the scripture says that she went to doctor after doctor to try to find help and to find a solution for the problem that she had. And the Bible said instead of getting even a little bit better, that she rather grew worse. Even after taking the treatment, even after taking the medication perhaps that was prescribed to her, even after all of the things that the doctors advised her to do on her own and, and taking all the precautions that were recommended, the Bible says that she rather grew worse. She spent everything that she had to try to find a, a cure. And she, when she spent it all, she, she was no better at all, but she was even worse, in a worse condition. And Jesus was passing through the area where she was. And the Bible said he was actually on his way to Jairus' house because Jairus had came to him and said his daughter was nigh unto death and needed Jesus to come and to heal her. Little he know that before Jesus would get there, that little girl would pass away. And it isn't it ironic that that little girl was 12 years old. This lady that Jesus would heal on his way had had this issue in her life for 12 years. I don't think that's ironic. I don't think that's just coincidence. I think everything in the Word of God has a purpose. Before, before he could resurrect a, a girl that had passed away that was 12 years old, he had to take care of an issue in this lady's life that had existed for 12 years. It had to be made whole. It had to be healed. I'm going to tell you a lot of times before we can experience the greater miracle in our life, we have to take care of internal issues that are going on in our heart for God to be able to deal with those things so that we can see His blessing. 
so that we could see revival, so that we could see the goodness of God fulfilled in our life. I believe it's the will of God that every person experience the ultimate of what God has promised and the potential that is for them. I believe it's God's will that every person in this place be blessed. Every person in this house know what it is to walk in the favor of God and the freedom of the Spirit of God. I think it's the will of God that everybody know what liberty is. Amen. That nobody be bound. That nobody be incarcerated by the past. Anybody be incarcerated by things that plague your mind. Nobody needs to be bound and hindered in your spirit. But I believe it's the will of God that we have a liberty to worship. That we have a liberty to praise God. That we have a liberty to reach out and pray and seek after God and have Him respond and move in our life. That is the will of God, I remind you, for each of us in this place. That's right. That's right. And the Bible says that she said within herself, amen, she didn't tell anybody. She didn't let anybody know what she was thinking. But she said within herself, if I can but touch the hem of his garment, I shall be made whole. And sometimes you've got to have expectation. Amen. I would say the majority of the time you've got to have expectation. You've got to, you got to, uh, you got to intend. You got to have intentions and plans uh, that say, you know what? I'm going to respond to God and move and act and step out and do something to receive what I need from the Lord. I'm not just going to expect Him to come to me, but I'm going to make the effort to come to where He is and respond to him. You understand, after 12 years of fighting this type of condition, she had to have been weak and anemic, yet the Lord was able to heal her only as she made an effort to touch him. I want to tell you, it doesn't matter what the struggle is, what the problem is, how, how challenging it may seem to you. you got to make up your mind, no matter what contradicts me, I am going to break through. I'm going to do what I have to do to touch the Lord and receive my miracle. I intend on getting through to Him. I intend on breaking through to Him. I intend on receiving something from God. You ought to come into every church service with that kind of attitude. Matter of fact, anytime you come to the house of God, you ought to come with that kind of faith that there is potential there for me to receive an answer to prayer. And if so, I'm going to do what I must do. Amen. When you walk up off this parking lot into this building, you ought to be saying within yourself, whatever the need is in your life, this is going to be the time that I'm going to break through and I'm going to touch the Lord. I'm going to receive something from God. Amen. If you'll talk it, amen, and believe it, come on, don't be talking down. Don't be talking negatively. Don't be talking of doubt. Don't be talking unbelief. But be talking about what God is able to do. God is able to heal me tonight. God is able to save me tonight. God is able to set me free tonight. God is able to deliver me tonight. God is able to answer my prayer tonight. God is able to get a hold of my heart tonight. Oh, somebody clap your hands and let's praise the Lord together. If I can but touch him, I'm going to tell you if you can but touch him. Amen. I don't know what the need is. That's not, that's not for me to be concerned about because I couldn't do anything about it anyway. 
Amen. All I could do is pray to a God just like you can, that he can reach down and heal, that he can reach down and save, that he can reach down in his power and deliver, that he can work in your life. I just come to remind you tonight, it doesn't matter what the need is. He is able. I said he is able. Oh, yeah, no matter what the doctor says, he's still a healer. It doesn't matter what the prognosis is, he's still able. Amen. It doesn't matter what, what the experience has been in the past, he's still able. Doesn't matter how many times you tried, he's still able to answer your prayers. Keep on praying. Keep on believing. Keep on exercising faith. Oh, let's give some praise to our God Bible says that when she did touch him, that immediately, uh, immediately she felt virtue come into her body and that fountain of blood was dried up and Jesus wheeled around in the crowd and said to her, uh, somebody touched me and, and the disciples said, well, there's a lot of folks touching you. And he said, no, there's something different about this touch. There's something different about what she's done. There's, there's something different about, he knew who it was, but he wanted her, he wanted her to, to make herself known in the crowd. He, he knew who it was that, that got uh, that miracle and received that answer, but he wanted her to respond. Amen. And she very sheepishly at first admitted that it was her. But but she understood it's worth anything that I have to do, any pride that I have to lay aside to receive a miracle from the Lord is worth it. Praise God. I'm going to tell you, there's difference in a faith touch than just people coming and going through the motions. There's difference when people really get hungry for God than people that are just in the building that, that think that they're touching Him and think that they're breaking through. There's something different when somebody comes with a real desire. I, in this service, am going to receive something from God. I am going to break through in this service to get my miracle. There's something different about that. I'm going to tell you, it may be Wednesday night, but there's some folks in this house that can get your miracle tonight. It may be Wednesday night, and it may just be another Bible study to some, but there's some folks that said, I'm going to touch him. I'm not just going to be in his presence. I'm not just going to be in the room where he is, but I am going to make a connection. I am going to respond in faith. I am going to receive something from God in this place. Hallelujah. Praise God. Praise God. Praise God. Amen. So through this story and many others like it in the scripture, we see that he is able to deliver people from physical prisons, prisons of sickness, prisons of disease, bodily elements that that hinder us and limit us. And then we read about a, a father that brought his son to the Lord and said, my son is vexed of a devil. And the spirit that controls him causes him to cast himself at times when he's near a body of water, he cast himself into the water. And we have to save him or he drowns. 
And then while there's a fire around, we always have to watch him because he'll cast himself in the fire. Because the spirit that controls him, you understand this is the way the devil works. He wants to destroy I said he wants to stamp out every bit of hope that there is of you ever changing. Are things ever getting better for you? Are things ever turning around for you? But I remind you again, the devil is a liar. He cannot destroy what God has liberated, what God has set free, what God has delivered. He cannot destroy. And so uh, he said, I, I brought him to your disciples, and they couldn't do anything with him. And they, they, they were unable to help him. And he, he, again, he cast himself in the water and sometimes in the fire. That's, that's two extremes, water and fire. That's, that's two different opposite things. Amen. And uh, I think this is representative of, of just how things are sometimes in life. If it's not this over here, it's it's something on the other. So we get this worked out over here and sometimes something breaks out that is entirely different. Uh, uh, it's just one thing. We could get it figured out. If it was just one area of our life, we could we could get uh, control over it and we could we could get you know, use uh, uh, whatever uh, discipline and, and uh, whatever willpower that we have to kind of get a handle on it. Uh, but sometimes while it's breaking out over there, we, we turn around and it's happening over there in a totally different area of our life. And those two extremes are pulling this man, the tension of it. Uh, anybody feel tension? Anybody feel pressure at times uh, in life? Uh, amen. This thing over here is pulling at you. And this thing over here and this problem is pulling at you. I'm going to tell you, the only one that can help you is Jesus Christ. The only one that can deliver you is Jesus Christ. The only one that can set you free is Jesus Christ. <laughs> hallelujah, hallelujah. And this man and his son in this story represents to us the Lord's ability to set free people from spiritual prisons. Uh, this man, this young boy was bound by spirits of hell that had control over him. Amen. Now, if you never had an experience, I hope you never do, uh, experience with the devil. And, 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 and I know we all fight the devil from time to time. I'm not talking about that. I'm talking about people that are possessed, the people that are uh, allowing the, the enemy to use them, that it's gotten to a point beyond just oppression, and actually people are possessed. I'll never forget preaching a revival up in uh, Michigan one time. And uh, uh, I had preached the night previous some things and was very direct towards uh, a certain thing, a spirit that was I felt hindering in the revival. And, and it wasn't directed towards anybody personally. It was directed towards that spirit and preaching and uh, I'll never forget I was there in the evangelist apartment and there was a call and I answered the telephone uh, thinking that somebody was calling there for us and uh, it was someone calling and, and they said you're exactly the person that I want to talk to and uh, I said really and uh, said you you 
and they began to tell me the things that I had preached in that revival the night before and uh, say, you say this, but I want to tell you this and counteracting those things and speaking against uh, the things that we had preached. And, and so I finally uh, began to ask and inquire, were, were, uh, have you ever been here? No, I, I haven't been there. I, I, don't, I, I haven't attended. Uh, but I, I realized at that moment that this person uh, was speaking under the influence of a spirit, that a spirit was being allowed or they were allowing that spirit to speak through them. And a cold feeling came upon me. But I realized, you know what? We must be getting up next to the devil or he wouldn't be worried about it at all. If he didn't feel threatened, he wouldn't feel the need to try to intimidate and, and to try to speak out like this. And I have found that that's just the way it works. When you turn the Holy Ghost thermostat up, the, the devil starts squirming. The devil can't handle the heat. The devil's got to find an escape. He's got to find a way out. Amen. I'm going to tell you, when we're engaged in the things of God, that's a safe place for us to be. Amen. That, that keeps us protected from the enemy, from the influence of the devil. That's why we got to have red-hot church. That's why we got to have worship in church. That's why we got to have faith-filled church. That's why we need preaching that challenges us. That's why when we come into the church service, we got to push up against things and break through things in order to get into the presence of God because we understand that there's liberty where His Spirit is. There's freedom where His Spirit is. There's help and encouragement and strength where His Spirit is. Amen. I don't want to come to church and just sit on my hands. I don't want to come to church and just twiddle my thumbs. I don't want to come to church and be a non-worshipper, a non-participant. But when I come to the house of God, I want to be on fire for the things of God. I want to come and worship God with all of my heart. I try not to get aggravated, but I do. I get aggravated with folks that when they're up, they want you standing on your head. I was preaching one time at a church, and they had one of these famous, thank God it's not this way with Sister Taylor, but they had one of the, not that she's not famous, I mean it that way. You'll understand what I mean when I finish my story. I was going to try to, I thought, man, I better put a disclaimer on this. She's going to think I'm picking on her. But they had one of these famous music directors. And a church of about 500, I was sitting out there nervous as a, I was just young, 20, 21 years old evangelist. And I was sitting there like nervous as a cat on a hot tin roof. And this guy got up and led the choir, big old choir and singing and uh Man, worship and everything was dynamic, and they had it all together. Everybody hit the notes just right. Everybody, everybody played just perfectly. And then I watched that joker. When I got introduced to preach, he went over and sat down. Not up front, way back in the back. And he sat there with his arms crossed. And I thought, man, dude, did you use all your energy directing that choir? And so that when we get up to preach the Word of God... You feel like you can be comfortable just sitting there? 
are you for real? Is, is this the way it ought to be? I'm going to tell you, I, I just couldn't help myself. I said, you know what? You stood on your head for the choir here just a little while ago. Uh, you, 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 got, you got out in the aisles and you danced. Uh, you ought to do so much more for the preaching of the Word of God. I'm going to tell you, if you get on your feet for a guitar, or you get on your feet for a piano, or you get on your feet for singing, amen, you ought to do so much more when the Word of God, the Word of life is preached. There needs to be a response. There needs to be an amen that comes from your heart. There needs to be a realization. This is what cuts the chains and severs the bondage in my life. This is what brings freedom to me. Yeah, he's still able to deliver from spiritual prisons. Amen. Praise God. We understand that. And even the strongest of what we would term a prison, so final to you and I, death, he gives us an illustration, not just once, but many times. On one particular occasion where Lazarus was concerned, in the grave four days. Yeah, that's a long time, folks. And when he asked them to roll away the stone, they said, hey, by now he stinketh. We don't want to do that. It wouldn't be kosher. It wouldn't be right. He said, just roll away the stone. I'm fixing to show you I'm the resurrection and the life. Hallelujah. Oh, praise God. And that that seemed so final, that that seemed like uh, there was absolutely no hope. I don't know what your situation is tonight, but, but I'm going to tell you when, when things look like dead issues to you, God is able to resurrect them. God is able to spring life into them. He's able to bring hope into them. You may be praying about something that the devil's trying to tell you. You might as well stop. You might as well quit. You might as well not worry with it. You might as well just, just leave that alone. It's never going to change. It's always going to be the same. I'm telling you again in the Holy Ghost, amen, there's no dead issue that my God is not able to resurrect. He's not able to give breath. Breathe hope back into it. Keep on praying about it. Keep on believing God because he can bring a revival to that situation. Come on. I know there's experiences uh, where you've had pain and there's been hurt. Maybe there's been childhood abuse and emotional pain and brokenness of relationships and whatnot. Uh, God is a chain breaker. God is a prison door opener. God is able to deliver and set free. He that the Son has set free is free indeed. Come on, let's give some praise to the Lord. Most of us are aware of Saul's conversion on the road to Damascus and how that he saw a bright light and heard a voice. God spoke to him as he was there blinded on that road that he needed to go to the preacher in Ananias' house, and he would tell him what it took to be saved, and he was converted. This man that had once had such a passion for persecuting the church 
was in one experience, totally 100%, 180-degree change took place in his life. <laughs> Talking about that 180-degree change. I, I, I remember a friend of mine was in a prayer, prayer room praying, and there was a country fellow in there, and he was marching back and forth praying, and he was thanking God for everything, and he said, God, I want to thank you. you. You've done so much for me. You saved me. You delivered me from this, and you delivered me from that. And he said, matter of fact, it's just been a 360-degree change in my life. Well, I don't know if that's what we're looking for, but something like that. Hallelujah. We want, we want a change, a real and lasting change. I've seen a lot of 360-degree changes. They change for a little bit, and then they just start doing the same thing they've always done before. I'm telling you, we get this Holy Ghost, it'll clean your life up. You get what I'm talking about, this experience, it'll change your ways. It'll change your attitude. It'll change the spirit and the demeanor of a person. I've seen some of the most hateful, ugly, spirited people when they come and got the Holy Ghost. It changed their entire attitude. Come on, if you look like you've been sucking on lemons all day when you come to church, i tell you what you need. You need a renewing of the Holy Ghost. You need a refreshing of the Holy Ghost because it's the joy of the Lord that gives us strength. The Bible didn't say to serve the Lord with sadness. It said to serve the Lord with gladness. Amen. I want to serve Him with gladness. I want to rejoice in the Lord. He's been good to me. Immediately upon his conversion, that same passion that was used to persecute suddenly was used to convert people to Christianity. And he began to seek as to how he could be led of the Lord. And he was sensitive to the Spirit of God. And one night he, in a vision, saw a man of Macedonia saying, Come, and, come over to Macedonia and help us. And he was obedient to that call. And he went there, and he began to preach. And in that city, they had a convert by the name of Lydia, the seller of purple. And the Lord got a hold of this lady that was very prominent and successful in business and industrious woman. And, uh, and, and God was working in her life. I used to tell folks, God can save people brick on their houses, too. Guys are looking at me like a bunch of hoot owls here tonight. Come on, you believe God is still able to save people that's got means enough to bless the kingdom of God also? Amen. I believe in him, him saving everybody. I'm, I'm interested in everyone. I want to treat everybody the same. There's, but I'm going to tell you, I don't want to be intimidated to go up and, and walk through whatever. I've got to walk through gates, whatever, get permission, whatever. I've got to do and, and walk right up in there and not be intimidated and look them straight in the eye and say, you need Jesus uh, just like a person on Skid Row needs Jesus. Uh, you need Jesus just like somebody down to Randy Sands needs Jesus. Uh, you need Jesus just like anybody. You need to be baptized in Jesus' name yourself. You need the Holy Ghost yourself. Come on, Pentecostal. Don't be intimidated. This world needs what we got. I said this world needs what we got. Amen. Praise God. I could go a whole lot further with that, but I think you get the point. And so 
there was this damsel, the Bible says, that began to follow them, that had a spirit of divination. And the Bible says that she followed Paul and cried, saying, These men are the servants of the Most High God, which show unto us the way of salvation. You know, that doesn't seem like a bad thing. That was the truth. But the spirit and the attitude in which it was said was not something that Paul was identifying with. Something wrong. It didn't ring right. Amen. You know, we have to have discernment in this hour. There's a lot of spirits that try to creep in. A lot of things that try to ease in. And 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 you got to have discernment to be able to pick it out. And uh, and he he noted that this was a spirit of divination, but he didn't do anything about it immediately. The Bible says she followed them for several days doing this. And after a while, he he was grieved because he knew this gal was bound. He knew that this spirit was upon her. Finally, wheeled around and commanded that spirit to come out of her. And the Bible said her master, she was being used in basically witchcraft, through witchcraft, to be a fortune teller, as we would call it today, through soothsaying. They were profiting from her, telling people, and being used of this spirit that had a hold of her to tell uh, things to people, and they were making profit off of this. And so her masters were angry about it. I remember... uh, Several years back, up in Nova Scotia, there was a, a camp meeting that was going on there. And at the camp meeting, they had uh, a group of young people that during the day would go out and have a street meeting down in the downtown area of Nova Scotia, a pretty large town. And there they had a lot of street vendors, street musicians. And then there was these uh, tarot card readers and fortune tellers that were set up down through there. And this is a, an area where they would come and, and uh, tourists, and they would uh, profit from this. And they started having church down there, and they got a permit and everything from the city and started having church down there and singing, and those young people worshiping God. Now, bear in mind, there was other musicians, there was other singers at various times on the street that was doing their thing, but these Pentecostals were down there worshiping the Lord and having a, a church, and one of those fortune tellers ran out of that booth and, and walked up to a policeman and said, you gotta, you got to have them to stop. They've got to quit. They're messing me up. They're messing my business up. I can't concentrate on what I'm doing. They're out here singing and gyrating and, and worshiping, and, and, and it's messing my, my whole thing up. And they said, well, they got a permit. They, they, they've got permission to do this. We can't stop them. Now, bear in mind, he didn't worry about the other musicians that was down the street and the other people that was doing their thing. It was just the Pentecostals that seemed to upset him. It's just those spirit-filled folks that seemed to get him stirred up. And uh, so uh, they went on about the service, did it a couple of days. The next year, the, the same group went back down to have the service, and there was that man, and he came out, and he said, you know what? 
they were here one year ago doing this very same thing. And he said, since that time, I've been all messed up. He said, I've been unsuccessful in my ability to do what I've been doing all of these years. He said, they messed up my connection. I'm not able to do what I've been doing. I'm going to tell you what that is. The Holy Ghost, the power of God is stronger and more powerful than any spirit that is of hell. Amen. I'm telling you, the power of the Holy Ghost has more strife. Feel the Holy Ghost in this place right now to tell somebody that that anointing, that Spirit of God is able to destroy the yoke that's in your life and bring freedom. Somebody lift up your hands and let's give praise to the Lord. Praise God. Praise God. They brought him into the market. They brought him and those that were with him into the marketplace where the magistrates and the rulers were. And they beat them, the Bible says. And then they charged them to go to prison and charged the jailer with the responsibility of holding. They must have had a reputation. We know that Paul did said, hold him fast. Make sure he doesn't get out. And so he said, if that's the way it's going to be, I'm going to place him in the inner prison. I'm not just going to put him in one of these outer cells. I'm going to put him down there where I know he can't get out. Put him in the inner prison. He said, you know what? That might not be good enough either. Uh, Let's put some bands on him. Let's chain him up. Chain Silas up. Bible said at midnight they begin to sing praises unto the Lord. They begin to worship and magnify the Lord. They didn't complain. They didn't talk about how bad it was. This was definitely not part of the plan. You know, when the Lord called him and he envisioned all these great things that were going to happen to the people of Macedonia when he had this vision of the man called him there, I'm sure he wasn't thinking that a prison house was going to be a part of this plan. But nevertheless, it was in the plan of God. He just didn't see it. Amen? I'm just going to tell you here tonight that you don't get much when you complain and you bellyache and you talk down about it all the time. That doesn't help or elevate the situation at all. Matter of fact, it just strengthens the, the prison bars. And it just, it just fastens the lock just a little bit more secure when we do that. Because com- complaining about the situation is acceptance of the situation. And we've all been guilty. No, I'm not up here acting like I never complained about nothing. But as I told the group last night, I said, you know what? When I think about it, I don't have a right to complain about anything. When I consider how good God has been to me and how much He has blessed me. I'm going to tell you, 
I just have to worship instead of woe about everything that, that I don't like. There's things that I wish at times were better. I have disappointments just like everybody else. But I'm telling you, the blessings far outweigh any bad. Amen. I, I want to give him praise and thank him. I'm a part of his church. I'm a part of his kingdom. Hey, I got the Holy Ghost. I got the name of Jesus. Amen. I got the power of prayer to invoke. Amen. I got the opportunity to come and lift up my hands in the sanctuary tonight and worship God. I got nothing to complain about. I'm going to show you what the purpose of all of this is. Why did God allow the praiser to be put in prison? I'll tell you why. It's because there were some other folks that were there that needed to know that there could be deliverance. They needed to understand that God is able to save and set free and break the chains and sever the shackles. That's what I like best about this text is that one little phrase that says, And the prisoners heard them. And when they heard them, it wasn't just but a little bit later, they began to hear a rumbling in the prison house. Amen. As a result of their praise, the Bible said that God sent an earthquake and immediately the doors came open. Every door, every prisoner, not just them, not just the inner prison, but every door in that prison house was opened. Every person had an opportunity because somebody said, I'm not going to get down about this. I'm going to look to Him. I'm going to have faith in Him. I'm going to praise Him. I'm going to worship Him. I'm going to magnify Him. I'm going to glorify His name. And the prisoners heard Him. I'm going to tell you that, that there's folks that, that you've had to, you've been visited by things that, that you wondered why in the world did this happen. We've got people right here in this room that's fought cancer. But you never lost your praise through the whole entire ordeal. And you came out on the other side of it praising God. And you can praise Him tonight. And so that anybody that contracts that dreadful disease will know. Yeah, but God can still heal you. God can still deliver you. God can still set you free. God can turn it around. Every turmoil, every tragedy, everything. If I don't grumble, if I dispraise Him, if I dismagnify Him. Amen. i got to let somebody else know. My God is able and He's in control of the situation. I'm going to give you this final story. There was an old blind minister in Tennessee that went to a prison Every week at an appointed time, he went and did a service there. And in that prison, there was a man. His name was John Red Fuller. John Red Fuller had been involved in a burglary, burglary, and it turned into a situation where there was a struggle, and he had killed a person, the owner of the home, when they came in on him. And as a result, was thrown into prison, and even in the prison, had taken other people's lives and it devolved into a situation where he was basically demon-possessed, angry, and a man that was violent. 
incarcerated there. This man, this blind preacher, came in every week and preached to that group of men that would gather there. And at the end of his service, he would say to the guard, he said, take me down to the cell of John Red Fuller. He said, why do you want to go see him? Nobody wants to see him. He's a violent criminal. He's a hateful man. He's not going to treat you good, preacher. He said, take me to the cell. And he'd position him before the cell, and he would face the cell that John Red Fuller was in. He said, John Red Fuller, I come to tell you that God wants to save you. God wants to fill you with the Holy Ghost. God wants you, wants you to be baptized in Jesus' name. God wants to use you. He said, get out of here, preacher. I don't want to see you. I don't want anybody to come down here. I sure don't want no apostolic preacher to come down. Get out of here. Leave me alone. He would curse him. He would make fun of him. He would mock him. A blind preacher. Why would I listen to you? But thank God for blind preachers that can look beyond the exterior, that can look beyond the conditions, that can look beyond what what somebody looks like on the outside, can look beyond the tattoos, can look beyond the mount markings of the world, that can look beyond what sin has done and scarred somebody's life with, they can look beyond all of that and see a soul and still believe that God is able to deliver them, that God is able to set them free. We need some blind saints in this church uh, that realize uh, amen there's hope uh, I have faith I see beyond the exterior I'm not looking at anything that I see on the outside I'm looking at what God is able to do in their heart keep going back next week go back again and he'd say get out of here preacher I don't want to hear from you so finally to his surprise God started dealing with him, tugging at his heart, and drew him. He walked down to that service where that preacher was preaching, and God got a hold of him. Conviction got a hold of him. He came down to an altar, repented of his sins. God filled him with the Holy Ghost, and they baptized him in Jesus' name. Woo! I'm telling you, God's able to set people free. That preacher said, I got something for you. I got something for you, John Red Fuller. He said, what What do you got? And he pulled out of his bag a Bible, and he handed it to him, and he read right on the front of it. It said, Reverend John Red Fuller. He said, God's going to use you right here in this prison house. And God used that man, and he, he began to preach right there in that prison while he was still incarcerated. He began to baptize people in Jesus' name, and people started receiving the Holy Ghost. And then when he got out, amen, he was one of the first that was still incarcerated to be licensed as a preacher and to preach the gospel inside the prison. Amen. And then he went from there, went back to the prisons when he was able to, and led ministries back into the people that were incarcerated and preach to them. I'm telling you, it doesn't matter what it looks like right now. If the praiser would realize, amen, that if I'll just keep worshiping him right where I'm at, God is able to turn this thing around. Come on, I know it's Wednesday night. I know some of you is already, already thinking about going home and getting into bed and, and resting for the evening, but I just wonder if there's somebody here Somebody here that's been healed 
of a terminal disease. Would you, would you step out from, from, from your pew out of the aisle? You've been healed from cancer. You've been healed from some terminal disease. I just want you to step out now. I want you to raise your hands. I want it. There's somebody right here, right now, that had a prayer that you prayed for over 35 years come to fruition. I want you to step out where you are. Out in the aisle. If you prayed for a prayer for 35 years or more and saw it come to pass, I want you to step out. Maybe there's somebody here that's prayed for something for 30 years and saw it come to pass. 25 years saw it come to pass. Would you step out? What are you trying to do? What are you trying to say? I want others to see. I want others to hear your praise tonight. I want others to be able to look and connect with your faith here in this room and realize that if God can do it for them, it's my time. He can do it for me. I want it. There's somebody here that's ever been healed of arthritis uh, that was that was crippling your body. I want you to step out. I know to some people that might seem minor. That's because you've never had it before. Amen. If you ever had it, you realize it wasn't a minor deal. I want there's somebody that that, that right here in this place. Uh, amen. That there was something that was so critical in your life that if God didn't come through, that it looked like the end. I want you to step out where you are and get out in this aisle. Amen. What we're going to do is we're going to worship the Lord right now. We're going to give praise to the Lord right now. We're going to give we're going to give thanksgiving unto the Lord right now. Amen. And believe God that if He is able to heal, if He's able to deliver, if He's able to set these folks free, if He's able to hear and answer their prayers, He can do it for me. He can do it for me. Why don't we come down here towards this front right now? Why don't we just gather around this front? Amen. I'll tell you what I want us to do. I don't want us to come down here and just whisper prayers. I don't believe that's what Paul and Silas was doing. I don't want us to come down here and just go through the motions of, well, I hope this, this service concludes here after a while because i got to get home and cut the lights out. But I wonder if just for a few moments here tonight. Whether there's somebody that can let your praises ring in this building. Somebody could really lift up your voice to the Lord in this place tonight. Come on. If He healed you, lift up your voice right now. Come on now. I can't hear you. If He saved somebody you prayed for, lift up your voice to Him right now. If he gave you a miracle, let the other prisoners hear you. If he sets you free, let others hear you tonight. Come on, it's time to take your liberty. You've held back long enough. I said you've been held back long enough. Go ahead and praise the Lord. Go ahead and magnify the Lord. Go ahead and lift up the name of Jesus. Come on, I want Texarkana to hear. 
I want this region to hear. Hey, we've got a healer. We've got a deliverer. We got a soul saver. We got somebody that's able to give you joy for your sorrow. Peace for the chaos in your world. We got somebody that's able to answer prayers in this house. Come on, Wednesday night, folks. Amen. Worship God. Give praise to the Lord. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Come on, somebody ought to leap for joy. Somebody ought to leap for joy. Somebody feel like dancing, you ought to dance before the Lord. Come on, don't let nobody intimidate you. Don't let nobody stop you. Don't let somebody standing on the sidelines keep you from your miracle. Amen. They don't know what you're facing. Don't know what you're going through. Don't know what, what the struggle is being. I'm telling you, there can be freedom for those that are hungry for freedom tonight.